You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, today I've got a message I want to share with us, and I'm just believing that it literally would be imparted into you, that God's going to do something, he's going to impart something into you that will establish you. Anybody ever feel like your foundation is just a little shaky sometimes when it comes to your faith in Jesus Christ, your walk as a follower of Jesus, and that the the world tries to come at us uh, in multiple different ways? We have a real enemy uh, that is out to get us, does not want us to be followers of Jesus, and we need to be established. We need deep roots that keep us strong when when the winds and the waves of life come, and I'm just believing God wants to impart something into us today, and I hope you'll take some notes. Um, Grab your phone or a piece of paper and a pen and just write some things down, maybe some things that you'll go back and look at um, tomorrow, maybe later today or tomorrow, and even if you don't, I get it. It's like, I never look at it. Why take notes? It's scientifically proven that we retain more when we're taking notes, when we're writing it down. So let's, let's believe that God will get his word into our hearts today and establish us so that we can continue to move forward for him. But I want to share a message. If you want the title, it's called Be the Church. That's the, the, the title for today's message. Now, um, how many of you are baseball fans? Anybody? Just a few. There's, there's a few hands, baseball fans. I'm a huge, huge baseball fan. Like, I love baseball. I love watching it. And I know a lot of people say the game's too long. It, it takes forever. It's called America's pastime for a reason. This is, we pass time by going to the baseball game. Like, and I, I love it, man. I just, I just love being in the stadium. I love walking around the field. I get there early. If the, gates, if the doors are open at two hours early, I'm there. I got my glove on. I got, I'm a Pirates fan, so I got my Pit, Pittsburgh Pirates stuff on. And I'll be at a game with two teams, not even the Pirates, and it doesn't matter to me. I still have my Pirates stuff on. Literally, I was at, um, we have a lot of spring training stadiums right where we're at in Fort Myers in the surrounding area, and uh, in, in Fort Myers, uh, right next to our house is JetBlue Stadium, which is the Boston Red Sox spring training camp. Anybody? Boo. There you go. That's what I was, I was hoping you would boo, because I boo. I was hoping you would. And then not too far down the road is the Twin Stadium, and uh, I was, uh, spring training had opened up, the, so because of the lockdown, if you're not familiar with MLB, there was a lockdown, and everything was delayed, and normally we get a solid five weeks of baseball where you can actually go in, and the, the, the players literally come over. Over and sign stuff for you, like it's it's so much fun. But it got it got postponed and it's delayed. And so uh, my friend and I, we 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 snuck in. I say snuck in, we but we did. We snuck in to one of their practices, and I'm wearing my pirate shirt and my pirate's hat. Now listen, when you go to a game, you can get baseballs. And so we're, we're going to the game, we're go- at the practice here, and we're trying to get baseballs, and we're kind of throwing our glove up. Throwing- and one of the guys was just getting ready to throw a ball to me. He's a Twins player. He's decked out in all of his twin stuff. And here I am with my pirate shirt on, my pirate's hat. He's about to throw, and he looks at my shirt, and he goes, and turns around and walk away. But, but I, I'm wearing that, and, and you probably have done it as well. Like if you have a favorite team, even maybe a Super Bowl party, and you're, you're watching the game, and you're wearing your favorite team's jersey, even when our teams aren't in the Super Bowl, we do. Why? Because we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We feel connected to it. And I've got good news for us today. Every one of us, when we have said yes to a relationship with Jesus, we have become a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. It's the church. It's the church. 
And God, good news is we can be a part of a church, Redemption Community Church, but this, we're a part of the church where Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. He is alive. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's watching out for us. He's interceding for us. He's praying for us, and we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. So what does it mean then, if we are, which we are, what does it mean to be the church? I want to take a look at a passage, and I'd love for you to to read along with me. If you've got a physical Bible, you can pull it out. We believe that the Bible is is God's word to us. And uh, so we're going to look at Mark chapter 2. We're going to look at a few verses here and dive into what does it mean to be the church. Well, Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. It says, a few days later, and a few days later, Jesus had previously been there just a few days prior, and he healed a man with leprosy, just miraculously healed him, and he told the man, don't go and tell anybody, just go to the priest and and go through the whole purifying process, but he didn't. He went and told everybody. So a few days later, Jesus is again back into Capernaum, and the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So even then, in that place, there were some space issues, parking issues, trying to figure out how to find your way to the, to the building. I mean, the, the room was so full that nobody else could, they, they couldn't even get inside. Everyone's now outside, doors are open, windows are open, they got speakers outside, like the whole thing's happening, right? So some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. So what does it mean to be the church? Number one, if we're the church, if I'm a follower of Jesus, if you're the church, and if together we are, then number one, we do the heavy lifting. We do the heavy lifting. Did you catch it? It says that some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. So these four men somehow are walking. We don't know if they knew the guy prior to this. We don't know if they were just on their way to church and, and they were about to come in, they heard about Jesus, and they're heading there for, to hear Jesus preach. We, we, don't, we don't know if they, if, you know, somehow connected. We, we don't know how they know the guy, but all we do know is that four men grabbed a corner of the mat that this paralyzed man was lying on, and they carried him and brought him to church. They, they, they believed that God was going to do something so significant in his life that they were willing to grab a corner and get him there. It's powerful. So think about this. I love to put myself in the story when I'm reading scripture. If, I, if I'm seeing something, so who, who am I? Who are you in the story? Are you the, the paralyzed person? Maybe there's areas of our life right now that, that feel paralyzed. It could, be, it could be a physical need in our body and we just feel like there's no movement in my life. I, I, I can't get any traction. Maybe it's your marriage or relationships that you're in right now, friendships, and, and they just feel, feel paralyzed. Maybe you're a single parent, a single mom, or a single dad, and you're just struggling to make ends meet, and you're, you're struggling to, to raise a family all on your own, and, and you feel stuck, you feel stopped, you feel paralyzed. Well, what we need as a church, when we, when we look around and we see the people in our world that are stuck, that are paralyzed, maybe paralyzed financially, can't seem to get finances figured out, budgets, budgets figured out, and you feel paralyzed. We need people to be the church for us like these four men and to grab a corner of our life and do whatever we can to get us into the presence of Jesus. That's what it means to be the church. Come on, turn to somebody next to you and say, hey, grab a corner. Come on, come on, grab a corner. Now turn to the person that you were avoiding. Of all, I did not want to look that way. Like you purposely went like, like, tell them, come on, grab a corner, grab a corner. Grab a corner. That's what it means. That's what it means to be the church. It means we grab a corner. Now back to Jesus. Take a look at this. Verse four. 
It says, since they could not get him to Jesus. So imagine this. You've, you've gone out of your way. You, 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 you didn't avoid somebody in need. You stopped. You grabbed a corner. Now you're bringing them to Jesus. But now you can't even get them in the door because of the crowd. So what did they do? They, they weren't stopped by this, and I love it. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, like it was work. It wasn't just like a pullback thing. It wasn't like a skylight that they just slid the door open. They literally busted through the roof. Like imagine it right now if I'm preaching, someone's up there with a saw, dust is starting to fall down. There's people everywhere because there's, there's no room. You can't even walk in the doors. There's too many people. It's literally standing room only, not just in the room, but in the hallways. There's no way to get in to the presence of where Jesus is teaching. So somehow, and again, think through this, four guys carrying a corner of a mat of a paralyzed person and they somehow, we don't know if there's stairs to get up there, we don't know how they got up there, but they get to the roof, and once they're up the roof, they find out where Jesus is, and they dig through the roof. They literally rip open the roof, just so bold, so they, like we've got to get him to Jesus, and then they lower him down, the mat that the paralyzed man was lying on. Now look at this verse, verse five. When Jesus, what does it say when Jesus what? When he saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. What does it mean to be the church? One, it means that we do the heavy lifting. But number two, it means that we have faith for others. That I have to have faith for you. I have to have faith for you. I have to believe that the same God that healed my body will heal yours. I have to believe that the same Jesus that saved me from all of my sin and shame will do the same for you. I have to believe that the same Jesus that worked in me and gave me wisdom for finances will do the same for you. I have to believe that the same Jesus that stepped into my marriage will step into yours. When all hope is lost and he will heal it, I have to believe that. I have to have faith for others, not just for myself. That's what it means to be the church. And I'm not doing it on my own. The church, we're a body of believers. We're a family, a community of people who have been changed by the power of Jesus Christ so much so that it changed us so that now we'll do whatever we can to help somebody experience what we've experienced. That faith for others. It was the faith not of the paralyzed person that was being lowered down because listen, we all know what it's like to have areas of our life paralyzed and the reason they remain paralyzed is because we're struggling to have faith to receive from God. So it wasn't even necessarily the paralyzed man. It says when he looked up, he saw their faith. There's something on the face of an individual that's full of faith that's recognizable. Oh, you got faith. Oh, I can tell you've got faith for this. Oh, I can see it. It's like when somebody comes to you and they're, they've got a deep need and they're broken and they're hurting and they share their story and you start kind of smiling a little bit and they're like, what, are you laughing at my pain? I'm like, no, I'm just full of joy because my Jesus can take care of that. I've seen him do it before and he's gonna do it again. Like there's something that rises up. It's visible. It's a visible thing. And Jesus saw their faith. Every week, every day, we pass by people that are desperate for a touch from Jesus every day. We'll pass by them today. We might be sitting by one of them. We may be them. And what it means to be the church is that we've got faith. As a church member, as a, body of Christ, as a part of the body of Christ, I have faith. I have faith that God can change your life. And people need our faith. They need our faith. Well, that's not the end of the story. 
It's, a, it's great that he looks down and says your sins are forgiven, but that's, that's just part of his problem, right? He's paralyzed. I mean, he's, he, he, Jesus said your sins are forgiven, but there's more, there's more need here. So what does it mean to be the church? Well, take a look at this verse, verse six and seven. It says, so, so now some teachers of the law were sitting there. So these are teachers of the law. These are religious people. Um, they, they, they might've been the Bible college, been the seminary. Uh, they've got doctrinal degrees. They're, the, they're theologically you know, astute. They're just pursuing the word of God. And it says that they were sitting there and they're thinking to themselves. They didn't even necessarily say it out loud, but they're thinking to themselves, who does this fellow you know, who does this fellow talk like? Who, who does he think he is? Why does he talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? What does it mean to be the church? It means number three, we will have critics. We will have critics. Some of us might even find ourselves in that place right now. We're, we're, we, we struggle maybe with, with the way church is or, or way we follow Jesus or the way people have shared with us to follow Jesus or we struggle with somebody's life that's paralyzed and they're broken and they're hurting and we struggle with them getting their sins forgiven. We see somebody that maybe has done things worse than us and we see them progressing forward. We see Jesus' attention fully going toward them and we're like, whoa, time out. Jesus, why are you helping them? I'm right here. I've been here all along. Jesus, I've been, I've been right here sitting all along, and you're, you're bypassing me, they're brand new, and look, they just ruined the roof, and you're still helping them, right? Like, we, we, we begin to criticize, we're, we're wondering why, how come, and all of these questions, and that's exactly where these religious people were at. They were questioning everything that was happening. You see, here's the thing, there are two types of critics. There are some critics that are outside the church. They'll be like, oh, you go to that church. Oh, I've heard about that church. Or, or you're doing what? Man, we used to be able to hang out all the time and we can't hang out anymore because you've gotta be there for that rehearsal or that meeting or, 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 or you're doing what? You're, you give 10% of your income to the church? Why would you ever do, like they, they can't grasp why we're doing certain things that we're doing? Because listen, we don't give to a church, we give through the church. We, we bring our resources, we worship God with our resources and God takes it and he, and he multiplies it. People do this with their money all the time. If, if you ever invested money, you gave, you gave how much money to who? To Robin Hood, what'd you do? To crypto, sounds like what? Like we, we do it all the time and we just kind of blindly put it out there and trust that some person, some, someone's doing something with it to, to make it go further. Well, we do the same thing when we're giving and we're worshiping God with our resources that it can go into something and then go through it to be dispersed and to bless a community, to see people's lives change for eternity. That's why we bring our worship to God that way. But there's critics outside the church, but there also can be critics inside the church. Some of us that, that are doing more, more sitting than serving. And these guys are sitting right here and their arms are crossed. They're hearing everything. They're hearing the same teaching that the four men heard. They saw the same miracle happen that the whole community heard about the, just a few days prior. And here's Jesus about to minister to another person and they, they, can't, they can't see it happen. And they're inside, sitting there, receiving. They're doing, they didn't grab a corner, so they're doing a whole lot more criticizing than they are carrying. They're doing a whole lot more sitting than they are serving. 
And it's a lot easier to critique and to criticize something that you have not helped to create. And I, want, I just want us to know if we sense a spirit of criticism on the inside of us, maybe God wants to do something today. Maybe God wants to unfold our arms, to open up our heart, to get us from a seated position to a standing position, to get us from a place of just kind of consuming to a place of contributing. No, I want to be a part of this. I want, I want God to do something in me, and, and I want to be reminded of what God has done in me so that I can begin to help someone else. I want, to, I want to help somebody else experience them being lowered into the presence of Jesus and have Jesus' full attention. And that's what the paralyzed person had. Jesus' full attention. Jesus was looking at him, saw their faith, and then went right to the paralyzed person and said, your sins are forgiven you. But there were people there that didn't like it. They didn't like it at all. And they were critics and criticizing what Jesus has done. I don't know if you, uh, if you like food like I like food. Anybody else like food in here like I like food? We went to a great restaurant last night like I like food. And uh, I, there's, I don't just like eating food. I like making food. And this was a long time ago. It was PBS. We were watching. Uh, this had to have been like 20 years ago. And uh, Lydia's Italian Kitchen. Anybody ever see Lydia's Italian Kitchen? And so we're watching her cook. And it's like we had smell-o-vision back then. And it wasn't even like high-end technology. It was like rabbit ears. We didn't have cable. We had the foil on the two rabbit ears. Radio Shack. Anybody remember Radio Shack? Probably not. But we had those, those ears. And like we're tuning in. And we're watching her cook. And like, man we got to get her cookbook. So we did. And the cookbook comes. And I'm like, I'm going to make something from the cookbook. And like any amazing chef, I, I, I've decided I want to make eggplant Parmesan. And so I turn to page 176. Eggplant Parmesan opens up. And I'm reading through, all right, how do we make eggplant Parmesan? Like, this is going to be so good. And I'm reading through. And like every great chef, their recipe has like three recipes within the recipe. And so we're reading through. And like, all right, if you want to make the sauce, you got to turn to page 121. Or like a sauce. And the pasta, homemade pasta, that's on page 210. I'm like, I'm not at pasta level yet. I can figure out sauce, right? I can do that. So I get the ingredients, go to the store. I mean, you got to get the, the perfectly sized eggplants. And you got to... You've got to get your, your fresh basil, your fresh mozzarella. You can't use the baggy craft, the shredded stuff. No, it's fresh mozzarella. You've got to get some Parmigiano-Reggiano cheese. No, he did not just speak in tongues. He's just talking about cheese. Parmigiano-Reggiano. You get your eggs and your flour, and, and you, you start the whole process. You've got to you know, cut the eggplant just perfectly right, and you've got to put your kosher salt on it and let it sit for a while, and let the moisture be pulled out of it, and rinse it off and pat it dry, and then you go through the whole thing, and you, you fry this perfectly light, brown, crispy, golden eggplant. You set that to the side, and while that's happening, you've got your sauce going, and, and then once the sauce is done and your eggplant's fried, then you start the process. You get your, your 9 by 13 inch glass Pyrex you know, lasagna dish, like the casserole dish, you lay a little bit of sauce down, a little Parmigiano-Reggiano cheese, just freshly grated over top of it, and then you layer your eggplant, just kind of three across, and a little more sauce ladled on top, not a lot of sauce, just a little bit of sauce on there, because you still want some of that crispy eggplant to be there, right? You don't want that soggy, no one likes soggy eggplant, come on, that's not this church, that's the other churches, we're not a soggy eggplant church, people. And you pull it and you start breaking apart your fresh basil on top of it and a little fresh mozzarella, uh, mozzarella and then a, a little bit more Parmigiano-Reggiano and you do those three layers. You put it in there, you put a little bread in the oven and you, you get that thing baking, you get your warm bread and you pull it out, you got your sauce, your pasta, your, your store-bought pasta, by the way, like, that, that's me, like I'm not making pasta yet. And we sit down and we eat it and it's an amazing meal. And every time there's like, there's little things that we'll critique 
hey, next time we should do that. And maybe we should add a little, it needs a little bit more of this. And we got to, we figured out the less sauce and uh, through just critiquing it. Hey, a little less sauce so we can still get those crispy eggplant edges. You know, like the whole thing, we're critiquing it. But if I go to an Italian restaurant and I walk in there and we've got our reservation and they make us wait, and I'm already cri- getting critical and they seat us by the bathroom, and I'm getting more critical. And even when you walk in, they're not even happy that you're there. No one's smiling. or hey, thanks for being here. You're welcome. I'm helping you to have a job. It's great. I'm glad you're glad I'm here. It's all good. And, and they're slow on the service, and, and, and then they, you know, that you, I order, you know, I'm going to order eggplant parmesan, and it comes out, and immediately it's like, oh, it's just not where it should be. It's like, eh. And I'm critical of it, and I'll go on Yelp, and I'll let them know, right? It's like the whole thing. I'm not on Yelp anymore, people. My counselor told me I'm not allowed to be on Yelp anymore. But I can be, I can be more critical of what somebody else has made because I didn't help to create it. And it's the same thing with the church. We have to be so careful when we see God moving that we make a decision like, you know what, I want to be a part of helping to create this so that I can help to critique it and make it better and not just be one with folded arms sitting in a seat watching things happen and criticizing every moment of it because it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to criticize something that we have not helped to create. Well, let's get, let's get back to Jesus here. Look at this, Mark chapter 2, verse 8. So this whole thing happens. They Jesus says, they're criticizing him. Who can forgive sins but God? But verse eight says, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? And I love how Jesus does this. He didn't ask which was harder. For Jesus, forgiving sins and healing bodies is easy. They're both easy. He says, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to get up, take your mat, and walk. It's both easy for him, but number four, what does it mean to be the church? It means that we will always remember that the whole point is life change. Jesus doesn't even allow himself to get caught up in the arguments. He doesn't allow him to get caught up in all of the critiquing that's, and the criticizing that's going on. He's like, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop you because that's not where we're going. This is all easy. There's no, easy, there's no reason for us to get critical at all. We're gonna forgive sins and we're gonna heal bodies because that's what God does. And he's just not moved by it. You see, the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders and the theologians thought that the whole point was to sit by and argue everything that was happening. But Jesus said, no, lost people matter and we're going to do whatever we can do to bring life and healing to those that are paralyzed in any area of their life that's what it means to be the church and that's what we're going to do the whole point is life change and sometimes when we're we're seeing people's lives change sometimes things get a little messy sometimes when we're you mean to break through a roof when people are full of faith and are bringing someone that's paralyzed to get them in the presence of Jesus sometimes we're going to do some desperate things Sometimes it might make the relationship a little messy, the friendship a little messy. Sometimes those that are just sitting by struggle with seeing the mess that's made and and bringing healing to people. But the whole reason we're doing it is to see somebody's life changed for eternity. Look at this verse, verse 10. He goes on and says, but that you might know that the Son of Man, talking about himself, Jesus talking about himself, has authority on earth to forgive sins. He says to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. I love that this is what Jesus does. That you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, that that's easy. Now watch. He says to the paralyzed, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Number five, what does it mean to be the church? It means that we go home different than we came. 
all of us. We go home different than we came. So let me slow down just for a moment right now, right where we are, for every one of us in the room, even for those of you that are online right now. I want you to ask yourself a question, and it's just simple. It's who are you in the story? Who are you in the story right now? Some of us in this room right now, we might find ourselves, the, we're, we're, we've been a part of church all our lives. We, we know Bible stories inside and out. We've heard them preached by famous preachers. We've read them by famous authors. And because they're famous, we kind of get locked in on it. Like that's the only way, that's the only avenue up the mountain. We hear somebody else kind of sharing a different path up the mountain. Not unbiblical, but just a different perspective on what we see in scripture that still aligns and many thousands, maybe even millions would agree. But it's different than what we've taken. And so we see church being done differently than what way we were raised. And so we find ourselves doing a lot of sitting and a lot of criticizing. And that might be where you are today, but here's the point. God doesn't want you to stay there. We all go home different than we came. So what does God want to do in the heart of someone that's found themselves just questioning and criticizing? Maybe God wants, again, just to open up our arms and be open up our heart to what God wants to do. But if that's you, God wants you to leave differently today. Maybe you're the paralyzed person. And it took a few people to invite after invite after invite after I'll bring you, we'll take you to lunch afterward. Like people were on you, I'm praying for you. Like they were, they saw you because they saw where your marriage was at. Or maybe you just got here on your own because you're, you're so desperate to, to see God do something. You know, maybe he's, you've come to the realization that God's your only hope. But there's areas of your life that are paralyzed. You need to know that the presence of Jesus is here promised in scripture where two or more are gathered together in his name he is there he is here in the midst of us right now and so if there is a paralyzed area of your life maybe one that I've mentioned whether it's marriage maybe it's addiction maybe it's a physical need in your body Maybe it's financial, maybe it's emotional and you just find yourself paralyzed emotionally, can't seem to push through the depression. You need to know that the whole point of what we're doing right now is that you would go home different than you came. That there's healing for you today. There's healing, there's hope, and there's healing for you today, right now. And so even in this moment, this is our opportunity to say, God, where, where am I? Who am I in the story? And God, what do you want to do in me right now? So maybe you're the, the critic. Maybe you're the, the paralyzed individual. Or maybe in the story right now, you're, you're, you've been one that's been grabbing a corner. You've been serving. You're serving kids. You're serving putting signs out and in hosting people, you serve maybe in worship and production, maybe you serve in administrative tasks, but you're serving in student ministry. I mean, you're, you're serving, you've, you've grabbed a corner and, and you're a part of what God's doing here. Maybe it's on outreach, you're going out in the community and you're serving, maybe you help lead a group, but you're, you're, you've just made a decision to grab a corner. What, how does God want you to leave differently today? 
Maybe there's some just a, you need some fresh life breathed into you. Maybe as you've been grabbing a corner, you've been hearing the criticism going on as well because they, they were up on the roof, roof looking down at this person that they've worked so hard to get them into the presence of Jesus. You need to know that those that do grab corners, they are, they are sacrificing and they're pouring their lives out on a regular basis to grab a corner and to get people in the presence of Jesus. And to do that and to be up on a roof and to be looking down and then to be hearing criticism happening. So as someone that grabs a corner, if that's who you are in the story, maybe God wants to breathe just some fresh life in you today. He wants to rekindle some fire on the inside of you today. Maybe there needs to be a resurgence of purpose back in you today. Maybe you've just, you're so in, in the flow of grabbing corners that it's gotten kind of stale and you've not really been inviting Jesus into that process. You're, you're kind of doing the work without the relationship. Maybe Jesus wants to do something fresh in you today. You see, look what happens in this verse. In verse 12, the paralyzed person at the feet of Jesus, debris all down probably on him. He's probably got drywall and straw and all this stuff. I mean, just imagine the roof tore open in a moment and lowered down and there's everything. Jesus probably wiping dust off of himself and all this stuff out of his hair. And he looks down says, your sins are forgiven. And then he tells him to get up, take your mat and go home. Look what it says in verse 12. He, get, he got up. I mean, we could pause right there. A paralyzed, the marriage was healed. Wisdom was given. Needs were met. Joy was breathed into depression like he got up. Addiction was broken. Life flowed. He got up. And it says, and he took his mat and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed Everyone and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this before. Come on, we have never seen anything like this before. I've been to church all my life and I've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen marriages restored. I've never seen any, I've never seen it like this before. I've seen divorce happen over and over and over again, but I've never seen a couple that's so far opposed to be back, brought back and allow love to win in their marriage. I've never seen anything like this before. When was the last time someone looked at your life and your relationship with Jesus and saw the change and said, I, I've never seen anything like that before? Church, can I ask us, could that not be our goal? See, the result of being the church, of grabbing a corner, doing that heavy lifting, of, of having faith for others, of overcoming the critics, of remembering the point as life change and of going home different, the whole result of us being the church is that others around us will see the life change and not be drawn to us, but they'll be drawn to Jesus. That's what God's heart is for us today. Come on, church family, can I pray for us today? Could you bow your head? Could you close your eyes? Can you just open up your heart to what Jesus wants to do right now in this moment? Jesus knows exactly where you are and what you need. He knows exactly if it's faith that needs to rise up. He knows exactly if it's healing in the body. If He knows if he just needs to work on your heart to begin to bring humility and softening so that criticism can be uprooted. He knows exactly what you need. If, if you've been grabbing corners, he knows exactly that you just need some life breathed in you today but it's time for us to be the church. 
So Father, right now in Jesus' name, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if there are in the room right now that they would say, man, my life's just paralyzed and I just need the presence of Jesus. If you're far from God, you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, he's here today to save you. Simple prayer. I recognize I'm a sinner and my sin separates me from you and I no longer want to be separated, Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Wash me clean, make me new. Maybe make that your prayer. Maybe it's the criticism, Jesus, forgive me. I've gotten cold, I've gotten hard, I've gotten arrogant, I've gotten prideful. Jesus, forgive me. Soften my heart again. I've gotten tired, I've been serving a lot, grabbing a corner, feel burnt out. Jesus, breathe fresh life in us today. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.